Hello, movie lovers. Welcome home. My name is Amy Henserling, and you are listening to Watch This List Unplugged. I have a very special guest today whom I have been friends with on Letterboxd from the beginning of my uh, reaching out to people that I didn't know, which all of us, I think, can relate to to one extent or another. This is Cormac, whose uh, face is not his avatar, uh, which... <laughs> Which I originally actually thought it was. <laughs> who who is it, Cormac? Please tell us. Yeah, sorry to disappoint us. <laughs> I don't just wear multicolored caps all the time. I wish I could, but no, mm. it's actually it's a British rapper, and he goes by the name of Slow Tie. So that's a rapper from Northampton in England, and I just liked the picture, to be honest, and kind of liked the vibe it was throwing off. So I was like, yeah, that's a bit of me. So. That's not Put getting... it on there. Yeah. Has getting... that been your avatar this entire time? It hasn't. Um, I've been through, I've cycled through a few of them, to be honest. That one's been mine for, I want to say, a couple of years now. But I've been on the site, I can't even tell you what year it was. I want to say mm. 2015, 2016 is when I stumbled on Letterboxd and um, just kind of used it casually for two years and some change i'd probably just logged did some liking read some reviews it wasn't for a couple of years where I actually you know ended up using it to write anything and um, but back then my picture was actually it was norman bates and um, no psycho so oh my gosh you know the ending of psycho sorry for anyone who's shameful enough to have not seen the end of psycho yet but Norman Bates and um, yeah that iconic image of him staring down the camera at the so, end yeah sort of grinning into your soul that was my original picture but then I thought maybe that doesn't exactly represent Convey. who I am or who I want to be you know mm -hmm. seen as so I suppose never started using the site more I was like let's pick something a bit more representative of you know this guy so more embracing warm not yeah. psychopathic yeah put more color in there maybe you know liven things up Don't scare not scare people away. off yeah exactly <laughs> exactly well since i've known you it's always been the avatar that you have now and i yeah. think i'm almost positive that i found you through frank ritz um okay. because he I think he always called you King or something. And I remember thinking, well, if Frank likes this guy, he must be great. Because yeah. Frank only has good taste. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Frank's the greatest. Like, I think um, me and Frank have a very much like mutual sort of this guy is a real one. So, um, real recognized, real kind of vibe going on there. So, for sure. Yeah. I definitely. He would appreciate uh, that. Yes. You, know, you should definitely um, hold them up as one of the, you know, bench warmers of taste on that site. So, yeah, go on, Frank. Yeah, we love you, Frank. I hope we that do. you're listening. He often will tell me randomly, oh, Amy, I'm I'm like four episodes behind on your podcast. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to make sure he listens to this one, Cormac. But all that said, um, thank you. I'm very honored. Uh, to be able to talk to you and that you said yes. And 
Uh, Cormac is in Northern Ireland. Yes. Um, yes. Was based out of Belfast until about, let's say, 10 days ago. But as mm. you can see, this is not exactly a house that has been lived in for very long. Yeah, this is very new surroundings. So excuse the whole white roomness of it all. But mm. here we are. And the, the ray of sunshine in your room, for those yes. of you who are not watching it. My nice, lovely Just halo, you know, very fitting as well. Over your head because you're an angel, Cormac. Exactly. Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get right into uh, Cormac's hidden gems, which are the craziest ones that I've that I've ever had. Uh, this is like a um, a true double feature, like back to back, where they actually directly relate to one another. Yep. And um, it exposed me to something that I had zero familiarity with, like in any way at all, which uh, is always fun. And thankfully, I liked them both. So that made the, the, <laughs> the experience a lot more enjoyable. So uh, the first one, now tell me if this is correct. I believe the title is Five Elements, plural, ninjas. But on Letterboxd, it's Five Element Ninjas. Yeah, I actually had, Why the, is that? I had the same observation whenever I watched it. I watched it yesterday and mm -hmm. just it was fresh in my mind. And obviously the title card came up and I was like, wait, something's not right there. But mm -hmm. let's just call that a quirk. I don't know. But it definitely is Five Elements Ninjas. Elements. Plural. Yeah. Five yeah. Elements Ninjas, 1982 by, uh, tell me the director's name, how you pronounce it, Cormac. Yeah, so that's by... The Hong Kong King himself, the granddaddy, Chan Che. Chan Che? Yeah. And um, Cormac, how would you describe this film to someone who hasn't seen it? Okay, so here's where the hard part starts. How do you even begin to describe it? Um, We're going to do the hard questions first. Yeah, so this is like a live action Tom and Jerry skit brought to life mm. with guts hanging out of bodies and men getting impaled in half so maybe consider the cartoon element of you know power rangers but mm -hmm. then the goriest bloodiest most violent action you've ever dreamed of and mash them in a blender and then you've got five element ninjas. That's a, that's an apt description. And Cormac has a gift for uh, writing in such a way that no matter what you're writing about, like we can feel what you mean. So um, I feel like the descriptors that you use for this are perfect. Like it's just a, I even wrote down like, Slapstick, relentless physical combat. It's a, it's an irrelevant comedy um, in a sense. But then it actually has some uh, moving parts, like heartfelt. It doesn't feel like it's just pure action to me. Yeah. I would actually love to hear a bit more of what it was that moved you about it because that's not really um, an aspect of it that I would have ever picked up. But I think you're definitely onto something because there's more to it than just the action. Like, yes. Don't get me wrong. It's very much an action first film. You can kind of forget about everything else. 
mm-hmm. if if you want to just leave the you know any sort of narrative stakes to the back of your mind because that's not really what it's aiming for it's kind of just like all killer no thriller or all killer no filler in that sense but i would love to you know hear a line or the- two of what actually it was that you thought was so moving Maybe not moving is the right word, but I felt like um, the scene with Junko, I don't know if I'm saying that right at all. Um, I feel like I'm like such an American saying that, but uh, the scene where she's trying to seduce him Mm. and um, this is before she plays the flute um, and he's saying like that a hero wouldn't do that and that um, they would need to wait and go before that whole thing was just very sweet. And I felt like they took the time to establish this character yeah. as someone who, who had like moral fiber and um, that, I don't know. I felt like that was unnecessary, but the fact that they had it uh, struck me. Yeah. Because that's not always a given with these, um, you know, sort of Hong Kong genre flicks. You don't always get like, women mm-hmm. that, are, that are even named or women that are even like you know given any sort of um story to go along with it's usually just oh this is a woman who is going to get rescued or you know this is a woman who's going to get assaulted so like you know even the fact that they took the time to develop any sort of arc for that um character kind of shows that they weren't just going for the standard cookie cutter fare here which you know I think you could be said about the whole thing and they really were going for something else here which you know shines in every sort of aspect of it so i think it's kind of cool that you picked up on that actually well and to be fair i have been seeped in erotic thrillers lately oh yeah and so she did remind me of a femme fatale oh yeah Uh, and and i really love the femme fatale uh, whether it's a neurotic thriller or a noir energy and, and that sense of agency uh, that she had. Yeah. And uh, she's kind of badass too. She, uh, it just, fe- it felt like, you know, like female ninja. It was just like really cool. Kind of took me back to like kill bill almost that, mm-hmm. that feeling. Yeah. Uh, so I really liked it. Yeah. There's a definite like influence as well. Cause I feel like was it Kill Bill Two? I feel it has a tribute to Chang Che, or was at oh. least has some sort of you know, um, a, like acknowledgement by Tarantino that you know this is the guy. So you're definitely all to something there. It's not just you know vibes. I didn't even read about that, Cormac. That was mm-hmm. from my brain. Yeah. See, there you go. Mm, I'm catching on. Okay, so. In since you're an expert on this and I'm a complete scrub, as the kids say, um, what um, in like the the entire realm is this one a hidden gem? Because like, are are you considering this a hidden gem in its own genre, or are you considering this a hidden gem in the vast populace of regardless of genre? If that makes any sense. Yeah, well, I think if I call this hidden gem within like martial arts cinema, then actual fans of martial arts cinema might like put my head on a stick because that's what i figured yeah this is because def- it's yeah. it's known this is yeah. definitely like a certified classic 
And right. That's what I figured. It's very much like if you want a Chang Che film, I, this wouldn't be maybe his most popular. Um, mm-hmm. There's um, the five Venoms, which would be a bit more well known, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're going for what makes him so great, this is sort of the one to go for. Um, because it has it all, it has it all. Um, the guy did nearly a hundred films, so you'd be hard pressed to say there's only one that like rises above the the, know, rest. the rest. But mm-hmm. this was the one that I saw that I was like, okay, yeah, this is something I could get very heavily addicted to, and then you know, two years, maybe fifty of them later went back to it yesterday and I was like, okay, yeah, this is why this whole sort of obsession actually kicked off in the first place, which is, you know, a mad feeling to have. So how would you, how would you distinguish it from it? Like if he's made over a hundred films or a hundred films, how would you distinguish this one against them? Like why does, what is it about it? Because I, I have no comparison points since this was my like introductory film. So what is it about this one that's special comparatively? This one, I feel, um, well, this one, it came out towards like the back end of his career. It was quite, quite a late, late style as they call it for, um, for Chang Che. And it was like towards this sort of time when his, normal sort of genre fair so a lot of his would be cookie cutter you know this is a tale of brotherhood and loyalty very much like mm-hmm. a, very much like proto john woo where it's all about these like revenge tales and men teaming up to you know avenge their brother's deaths and it was all very like copy and paste don't get mm-hmm. me wrong they very much have like a house style within the Shaw Brothers um, sort of cornucopia where if you like one, you're going to like them all because there's a certain um, like comfort in knowing that's what you're going to get every time. But mm-hmm. I want to say I've seen nine, nine or ten of them and whilst I enjoy the vast majority of them, a lot of them are kind of just, oh, so this is that again, or oh, so this is that, but bloodier. Whereas with this one, um, you do get the sense that it's a sort of reaction to the times in a, a sense that this sort of cookie cutter, you know, just, genre for the sake of genre affair was Mm -hmm. kind of going out of style it was kind of not really where the audience's heart were at anymore so this was around the time when you had your Jackie Chan you had your Samu Hongs they brought along the sort of um very much slapstick very much irreverent comedy so if you think this is irreverent comedy I know, just wait. Just wait. 
Um, <laughs> I have to also say, Cormac, I don't know if you've ever watched the show, not the film, but the show Avatar, The Last Airbender. I haven't, but I seen, you referenced, I seen you referenced it in your review and I was like, okay. Yes, because the whole thing about the elements, yeah. um, you know, five elements ninjas, obviously. So there's like these fire guys, there's these ninjas that are underwater, there's the golden ones who are like channeling the sun or like mm. using the the rays. Um, so I kept thinking like, oh yeah, this kind of takes me back to the fun of Last Airbender where you're in different realms and you have different groups of people that are using or harnessing nature in some sort of literal way or just representative way. Yeah, well, it's very cartoonish, which is... Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, it's part of why I love it, to be honest. It's very like, the first time mm. I watched it, I was very much struck by how it's like just a kid almost playing with their little toys, just kind of making them juke it out in the most like bloodiest, most creative way possible, which mm -hmm. like, you know, embrace it, embrace the child within. It's almost like a circus too, but then everything is choreographed. I felt very gracefully, like yeah. um, the action feels uh, almost like a dance yeah. in a way. Um, especially when the kind of Yoda, Mr. Miyagi guy comes, shows up and, You've got to have that character, I feel like, who just comes and is like, what are you doing here? Let me train you. You obviously need to grow up and learn some stuff. So that aspect I also liked. There were just a lot of things that it felt familiar to me where I would say, yeah. oh, I recognize this motif in, in other things, but it's unique to see it in that setting, I think. Yeah, I agree, actually. Um, it's very much you know, the sort of thing that it feels both influential in a roundabout way, mm -hmm. but also it's pulling from a lot of different, you know, folklore and, you know, just mythology that makes mm -hmm. it all feel very, a lot grander than it actually is. So, because it's quite a small film, really. It's just kind of like, let's throw these um, absolutely dangerous men into like these silly costumes and let them fight but then yeah. the sort of reference points you mentioned make it feel a lot more like all-encompassing than it actually is which is very very cool yeah and the set itself is pretty cool too even though it it feels like the production design you on it you actually feel like it's a stage almost yeah uh, it doesn't feel like whereas your next film is you know, yeah. you actually are in a setting. This feels more like um, it's, I don't know, uh, confined. Yeah. It, it, in a way, like the whole world is just in, in this like one space. Um, but I was very impressed with the production design and just the, the fights themselves um, and the intensity, obviously, too. So Yeah, well, that that's a Shabro staple for sure. Both the like studio sets that are actually like turned into these sort of really beautiful landscapes and to kind of make the most out of very little. But at the same mm -hmm. time, obviously what you come for is that just absolute intense fight scenes and insane. Yeah, we can yeah. talk all day about how it's like 
you know, pulling from all this or it's actually like makes you feel like a child. But at the end of the day, it's just the action's exhilarating and there's no really other way to put it because I watched it again, obviously, last night and it was Mm -hmm. the second time I'd seen it. So I went into it being like, okay, I know I loved it, but I want to be reminded why I loved it. Mm -hmm. And then you come to that third act where it's just nonstop 20 minutes of just full out insanity. And then I'm like, okay, okay, this is what it's all about. And it's a little bit Shakespearean too, (laughs) in terms of what happens with Junko. And there's a little bit of a turn where I was like, oh, this kind of feels like Macbeth or I don't know, strangely it felt um, (laughs) like Hamlet with Ophelia or um, just very... I don't know. Maybe I'm elevating it a bit too much, but this is how my brain works, Cormac. I'm sorry. You mean I give it five stars, <laughs> so no one's elevating so- <laughs> it too much around here. Okay, so that that is Five Elements Ninjas, which is a great introduction. Me speaking as someone who has no experience. I really, really yeah. enjoyed it. And it prepared me for Cormac's next one, which is <laughs> Millionaire's Express from 86 by Sam Hong. It, this is also called Shanghai Express, though, right? Yeah. Besi- yeah. Although that yeah. obviously could be very easily confused with the um, uh, Dietrich, the Dietrich of the same name, yeah. So uh-huh, yeah. you can see why they changed that for us guys over here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, can, can you sum that one up as if I had never seen it or try to? Yeah, well, Millionaire's Express, it's basically a Western Kung Fu film. It's Samo Hong doing, mm-hmm. doing his, do we say Western or do we say Eastern? Because this would be his take on that genre, but he's from the East. So this is Samo Hong's Western epic. And, you know, it starts off like a snow Western. It ends like a, a spaghetti Western and then has everything else including the kitchen sink in between yeah and it starts out a like i i love how cormac described it because at first i was like is this the right movie mm. because you said it was like snow western meets looney tunes yeah uh so i thought of um tarantino again with the uh, hateful eight uh, in the snow and then um but it it's so silly it is like it's it's very like um, almost like Three Stooges also where yeah how would how would you even so I mean this was intentional right because they were they were uh, using a bunch of like everybody was known right these were like the who's who of yeah kung fu. yeah it's <laughs> basically a murderer's row of like kung fu legends right um, all in one place yeah but. Yeah, it's very much intentional. Samu Hong is known for his more sort of comedic bent. I mean, I don't know what the most polite way is to put it, but he's definitely um, rotund for your Kung Fu stars. And um, mm-hmm. I think in this one, he's actually a little slimmer than his wider self would usually be. But even just um, the sight of little Samu running about doing his stunts to sort of half the appeal. He's like a little mm-hmm. he's like a little bull in a china shop sometimes the way he's just 
huffs and puffs and uh, breathes his way about, sort of moves his whole weight about. Um, it's really something that has to be seen to be believed sometimes, but he is very much like um, a personality unto himself. So obviously Samuel directed, he stars as well, but one of Samuel's strengths I feel is he doesn't really um, shine the spotlight too hard on himself. As you mentioned, like this is a very much an ensemble piece. So yes. everyone, everyone gets their chance to shine, which is something I love because, you know, they all get their little two minutes in the sun. And then, yeah, it just gets crazier and crazier until that last 10 minutes when mm-hmm. they, all, they all just go nuts. I don't know if you've ever seen the film, It's a Mad Men, Mad Mad World. Um, no, I haven't seen it. I don't know what it is. Okay. That is also what I thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, that and that's a, like a big Stanley Kramer um, production where he had like a lot of famous comedians uh, in the cast. So that was definitely like an ensemble. Uh, like, I mean, Sid Caesar, Jonathan Winters, uh, Spencer Tracy's in it. Um, Phil Silver, there's a ton of famous people, right? And it's a gigantic cast and they're all like trying to get somewhere to to get this like fortune and they're like racing against each other. But I mean, th- that kind of has this inner energy or like maybe Murder on the Orient Express as well, kind of like an Agatha Christie um, thing where it's like a group of people all interacting and you kind of are just overwhelmed like there's no main character it's no it's basically an excuse just to take all this money from like the (laughs) hong kong studios and hire every single like icon at once and just put them all in whether it makes sense or not which is just you know it's absolute carnage but we love it so this one compared to the other one which which one do you love more would you say it's an interesting one because I, Even though they're very different. Yeah, they're hard to compare. And I've only seen Ninjas once. And I still kind of hold it as like the cream of the crop. Plus it's kind of got like that sort of nost- almost nostalgic factor because that one was so you know incremental to me loving this genre as a whole. But then within the past few years I've seen Leonard's Express five times. So Okay, so that one just brings me a lot of joy. Just the absolute, mm-hmm. the carnage of it is very um oh, I was gonna say cathartic there, but it's not cathartic. It's just contagious. Yeah. So it has like a sense of joy. Yeah. For you. Like, don't get me wrong, it's a bit of a mess. It's all over the place and it's kind of just throwing things at the wall to see what sticks but it's never not fun and it's just insanity that never ends and I never want it to end and the and these two so I don't know if your stance is like incredibly strong on this because I know this is a touchy subject for most but when I asked Cormac subbed or dubbed mm-hmm. he was like subbed um, but a lot of people feel like dubbed allows you to pay attention to the action more because you're not reading 
or that, you know, like it enables you to focus on something other than what's being said. Um, but what is your, what is your opinion on this? I, I know that you wanted me to watch them sub, but what is your opinion just in general on this? Yeah. So they're all going to be that way. Well, maybe I'm a weirdo, but I watch most things with subs anyway, just to kind of yeah get the most and pick most things up because I feel like you maybe lose 5% of a film if you're not understanding everything they say, but mm-hmm. it's not really a specific thing to hong kong cinema or foreign cinema in general i'm just kind of a stickler for this kind of thing but i know some people would be adamantly no you're not watching it and dubbed because that's just kind of taking the hand but then you get the sort of camp that's like well they're already absurd and you know who's going here for reality sake anyway so you might as well just up the camp and just make it even more of like a midnight madness kind of vibe but i think honestly you can't get too religious like one or the other they both have their um strengths for sure well and i will say i started five elements ninjas uh in dubbed and i was like i can't do this um because it was so silly yeah um it actually reminded me of that kung pao movie okay the spoof movie and I was like, I can't do this. It same thing happened to me with um, um, the Great Silence, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, it happens a lot with spaghetti westerns or like Italian exploitation. Where if it's, I realized that even with like um, horror films too, where it's like people had different accents, yeah. like within the cast themselves. So it's not like everybody was speaking one language they were all speaking different ones sometimes. So, um, I don't know. Dub just tends to take me out unless it's like cowboy bebop or something Yeah, where it's just, I'm in a different frame of mind than, than like watching real people. It's definitely distracting, but, um, you mentioned like the Italian sort of horrors and things like that. Like the giallos, a lot of them would be dubbed. Giallo. But then mm-hmm. at the same time, they're very much just sort of, heightened reality anyway so it's kind of you're not really going there for any sort of realism anyway so Mm -hmm. you can forgive it more for that kind of thing but if you have the option i suppose to not get distracted then i would always go for the subs every time yeah Yeah. i feel you i'm with you but i know that like i've i've heard people debate this quite passionately um but but my brother is someone who he'll put subtitles on like for anything yeah. i mean like we just watched succession a couple of nights ago and uh we had it on for that just because they talk so fast and you don't want to miss any of that stuff because it's just like yeah well espe- rich style yeah i was gonna say especially like that where you know the dialogue is the juice so you can't be missing that mm-hmm. yeah exactly so Millionaires Express, Sammo Hung. I feel like you tackled two important directors to martial arts films slash kung fu, and definitely read um, Cormac's reviews because his writing is spectacular. I almost always comment on Cormac's. They are also the ideal length for me. I have to say because it's always like I'm 
I tried to do this myself. Sometimes I get carried away where you don't have to scroll. And uh, Cormacs are like exactly, mm, you don't have, you don't have ever have like lengthy, lengthy. You have like one or two. No, which I don't even know how conscious that is. It's just sort of mm. timekeeping, not one, mm-hmm. wanting to get ahead of myself because as soon as I get two or three paragraphs deep, I can easily just keep going and no one wants that. No one wants yeah, that. That's especially, how I feel. Especially not me. <laughs> So yeah, that's not really a creative, you know, choice. It's more just, you know, to keep my own sanity, which is always preferable, I find. The, the, not to say that I wouldn't want to keep reading because when you did the deck log, uh, mm-hmm. yours were a little bit longer. And I remember I always read them after I finished each entry and that was really nice. But I feel like the only time that it's like really long is if you're getting personal as opposed to more analytical of the film itself it's like this is how it moved me and then that makes it that way so yeah definitely have to check it out check out Cormac's writing um i told him at the beginning of this that my new entry for from the best film you've never seen which here for those of you that are watching um my pick this week uh, is from director Richard Kelly, who chose Fearless. Uh, it is directed by Peter Weir. Uh, it is actually a movie that I I read in this book that Peter Weir loves when people love it because he's so known for Dead Poet Society, Witness, Truman Show. So if somebody comes up to him and they're like, oh, I loved Fearless, he's like, oh, really? You know, because it's like more of a deep cut for him. Um, so definitely check out that movie fearless. I just watched it again this morning and it's, um, stars Jeff Bridges. It's got a great cast. Uh, Benicio del Toro, Rosie Perez, um, John Tutoro. It's about a plane crash and like the survivors who live through it, how they process what happened. It's really good. I don't know if you have a Peter Weir favorite Cormac, but Ooh, good question. Putting you on the spot. That very much is putting me on the spot because now my mind's like completely gone blank and I'm like, what all did he You're make? like, what did he direct? What did he direct? I know you said uh, Deadpool Society. Um, uh-huh. What did you like? Don't uh, know. Picnic at Hanging Rock. Yeah, he's, okay. he's done a lot of Australian stuff. Um, G- Gallipoli yeah. uh, with Mel Gibson. Well, Hanging Rock is an absolute banger, so that would definitely have to be up there. Yeah, that's a vibe film. Yeah. I don't normally do well with those, but that one is good. Very much one that you watch it and you're like, hmm, and then you go to sleep and then you're like, okay, this is all I can ever think about. Yeah, not, am I going to disappear one day? Yeah. Like, am, am, yeah, like where did they go? And it's never solved. Spoiler alert. I'm doing my own spoiler alert on my show. but It's, it's like... Uh, it's a dreamy movie where you, you just get lost in it and then you feel like you're lost yourself afterwards. Yeah. Pretty good. Haunting. Haunting. Yeah. Haunting. <laughs> Cormac, it was a pleasure to have you on. Um, thank you so much. And uh, I hope that you all follow him and watch these crazy movies. Even if you are as ignorant as I am, 
I think that you will have good, clean fun. <laughs> we'll see you at the movies. <laughs>